welcome to this week's energy show. Now, hold on to your seats, everyone, because this is probably going to be the most exciting show that I've ever done. We are going to be talking about, hold it here, drum roll. We're going to be talking about your electric bill and how to read the darn thing. That's the most common question our solar and storage customers have. How the heck can I read this bill? What is this so complicated that I throw it in the garbage? I don't even open the email. And with these new CCAs, that stands for Community Choice Aggregation Utilities, it's more complicated than ever. And we'll go into all these details. So we're going to go over the crazy charges on your bill, um, and we're going to explain the different rates. We're going to explain what net metering is and all these kooky back-and-forth charges that make your head spin. All right, so we're going to be talking about my bill because that's the one I just downloaded this week. And I don't keep paper bills. I downloaded it online when I need it. And you can go onto the website of the utilities. PG&E's got a pretty good, a really good system, actually. You can go back and I can find my bills over the last 24 months. So I just downloaded and printed my most recent bill, do it on double-sided page because it's like a dozen pages long, and that's a short one. I mean, the bill has both electric and gas, but we're talking about electric here, not gas. Okay, so just digging in, starting on page one. On page one of my bill, I was charged $10 and 38 cents for electricity. I was charged $15.45 for gas. So the total bill for last month was $25.83. Now, my electric is low because I have solar, and when you're on solar, you're not on net metering, and that $10.38 charge is the minimum delivery charge. The minimum's really more like 9 bucks, but there's all these cookie taxes on, so it costs more. The gas is really low because we have an electric stove now, and we have a heat pump water heater, and the only thing we use for gas is once in a while on weekends, we'll heat up the spot. That's it. So, you know, no gas. And if I could figure out how to heat the spa efficiently with electric and as cheap as gas, I'd convert that to. All right. So we're also on something called Net Energy Metering 2. This is NEM version 2. It's it's a little bit different than NEM version 1. The big difference is when we went from original net metering, which, heck, I've been using since 2001, to NEM 2, they have this extra charge called a non-bypassable charge. We'll talk about that in a minute. So when I looked at my bill on page 1, it says my total credits so far this year are $781 or so. And I have a total number of minimum delivery charges of $28. That's about three months worth of charges and have generated a credit during the best time of the year. I mean, it's summer. That's when you generate the credits. Generated a credit of about $781. Now, there's this thing on there called the non-bypassable charge. Non-bypassable charges, that's the difference between net metering one and net metering two. Non-bypassable charges are mostly a relic of our old-fashioned primitive hub-and-spoke electric system with, uh, with utilities, with publicly-owned utilities. So, these non-bypassable charges are payments, extra money that the utility gets for several purposes. One purpose, which is a good purpose, it's called public purpose programs. Now, this is kind of a little tax on everybody's bill, and it's there to fund statewide energy efficiency, special programs like solar storage, and it's there to fund benefits for low-income customers. So everybody, every normal customer of electricity pays a little bit into these public purpose programs. It's all buried in the non-bypassable charges. Now, in addition, there's a nuclear decommissioning charge. So customers have to pay for many years, 10, 20, 30 years, the cost to clean up old nuclear plants when they're decommissioned. It costs billions of dollars to shut down an old plant. We're we're talking about over $20 billion for the latest plants that they're building in Georgia, but it costs billions just to turn them off. It's not true that nuclear power is the cheapest. It's actually much more expensive 
expensive than natural gas and way more expensive than solar and wind. The third part of this non-bypassable charge are these things called competition transition charges. And this means that utilities built these power plants 20, 30, 40 years ago, and now they're obsolete, but they still want to capture their original projected profits on these old plants, even though they're not economic anymore, because that's where they shut them down. So they charge customers for their lost profits. And the last non-bypassable charge is another one that'll make your blood boil, is called the DWR bond. This is simple. This is an ongoing charge that we have to pay since 2001 for PG&E's first bankruptcy. The state had to spend about $9 billion to kind of rescue the utility and pay, kind of help him recover from bankruptcy. And so that $9 billion charge plus interest is going on everybody's bill for 20 years from 2001. And now we're going into another state bailout of PG&E, and we're going to see more charges like that. I don't know what they're going to call them. So these non-bypassable charges are things that they don't want solar customers who are on net metering to avoid paying. I think it's fair. Public purpose programs, fair. Nuclear decommissioning, competition transition charges, and even this DWR bond is all a relic of the fact that our investor-owned utilities are just like dinosaurs. They're not generating power efficiently. Okay, let's go to page three of the bill. Mostly, this is the net metering year-to-date charges, and it summarizes in the right-hand column how much credit or outstanding balance you have. And each month, usually you'll have a credit, and it's a negative number in the summer, and then charges in the winter because you don't have as much light in the winter. So, so far, my credit for the first uh, for the last three months, say mostly summer, is $781, less the $2,728 non-bypassable charges, and less this about $29 minimum delivery charge. And there's a bunch of different rates. I'm on the electric vehicle rate. And the calculations of how much I'm supposed to pay are based on the peak charge on the EV rate, which is $0.52. Cents. It's higher. I thought it was supposed to be 49 but I looked at my bill. 52 Part peak, $0.28 cents a kilowatt hour. It's a really high numbers. And off peak, $0.13. Cents. There's some places in the country where electricity is like less than $0.13. Cents, and that's all the time. For us, it's only $0.13 cents off peak. Now, usually you'll have a negative charge during the day when the meter's running backwards and a positive charge at night when there's no sun or you may be charging your car. Now, instead of the EV rate, many solar customers on the ETOU or the time of use rate. Currently, the ETOU rate is $0.41 cents on peak and 33 cents off peak. And if you don't have solar, if you're thinking about solar, you're generally on the E1 rate, and that has three rate tiers. The baseline, that's basically if you just have a tiny refrigerator and a dim light bulb, it's 22 cents a kilowatt hour, goes up to 200% of baseline at 27 cents, and over 200% of baseline is 48 cents. So you pay a lot of money, 48 cents. And once your bill is over about 100 bucks, Everything else you're spending is $0.48 cents a kilowatt hour. That's a lot. All right. Now, also keep in mind, these rates and charges change all the time. The kilowatt hour rates go up. The time of use periods vary. Additional charges appear and disappear all the time on your bill. We can expect to see something next year that's going to cover PG&E's latest bankruptcy. Okay. Page four of my bill. Pretty bar charts. I like it, right? It shows the monthly net metering credit, usually negative in the summer, and charges positive in the winter. So you see the bar graph, and it's going down in the summer and going up in the winter. It also, there's another graph that shows the cumulative credit. So you get this kind of like S-shaped graph. So it's it's high in the summer. It goes up higher, higher, higher. And then in the winter, it starts going negative. And ideally, we want that net graph at the end of 12 months to be as close to zero as possible. That's when you're going to get your true up statement. We kind of aim for people having a zero electric bill. If you have a negative electric bill, you'll get reimbursed some, but may not always make sense. And a lot of people just like don't want any substantial bill. Now, keep in mind, pg needs does not pay you money if your bill is negative at the end of the year. When this first happened to me, it was like five years ago, 
I'm like, heck, I'm supposed to get $141 credit, but I got nothing. So I replaced all my LEDs with incandescent bulbs so I can use more electricity. I use the extra electricity for heat. Now with CCAs, Community Choice Aggregation Utilities, you can actually get a little bit of a check at the end of the year. So that's kind of worthwhile. So I'm not so worried if your bill's negative. You'll actually get to carry that forward or get reimbursed. Page five of your bill. A few more nickel and dime charges. San Jose has a 5% utility user's tax, plus there's this thing called a San Jose franchise surcharge. Sounds like another tax. And then on the right of page five is service information. Very confusing. This is kind of kooky, and this is where you got to really, you know, it, it drive you crazy. Now, PG&E, the utilities tell you how much you've consumed. So their consumption number is how many kilowatt hours you used actually purchased from your utility in the month. So I purchased 399 kilowatt hours from PG&E. That's how much I paid for. The net generation is how much I sold back. So the first 399, that's how much my meter went up net at the end of the month. But the net generation is how much I sold back, which is when the meter's running backwards. And I drove the meter backwards 1,480 kilowatt hours. And the next number they have is on this net generation, you kind of think that that's going to be how much my solar generated. No, that's not it. We get customers saying, you know, how come my net generation is not what we expected the system to generate? The net generation is actually just the excess that your house used. That's how much you sold back to PG&E. So keep in mind that your utility doesn't meter your solar system. They just meter what goes out of your house. What you purchase, that's when the meter's going forward and when it's going backwards. So in order to really figure out your net usage, you've got to look at your actual metering on your solar system. So to figure that out, look at the monitoring for your system. Say, all right, this is what I did. I just looked at the monitoring for the month that my bill was used, and my system actually generated 1,928 kilowatt hours. Not bad. And then I said, all right, out of that 1,928 kilowatt hours, how much did my house use? Because I know how much I sold back to the utility. Then I subtracted the 1,928 kilowatt hours that my solar monitoring system told me I generated minus the 1,082 kilowatt hours that PG&E said was my net usage. So there's the, the generation, that's what's going into your house from solar, and then there's the net usage, that's kind of net what you're using, that's what the utility knows about, and the difference for me was 847 kilowatt hours. So that's how much my house used, and heck, I'm kind of patting myself on the back about the 900 or 1,000 kilowatt hours, is the average homeowner energy use in the country. Everybody uses about 1,000 kilowatt hours a month. You know, obviously, a lot of air conditioning, you're going to use more, not a lot of air conditioning. If you have very efficient house, if you're, you know, don't have a lot of appliances, you're going to use a lot less, but 800, 900,000, that's about average. Okay. Page six of your bill. Let's skip that for now. It's too complicated. Okay. Page seven of your bill. We, we, we skip page six. We'll come back. Buckle up and put on your thinking cap. It gets really weird. San Jose has a community choice aggregation electricity provider. It's kind of like a municipal electricity provider. They're not really a utility because they're not in charge of the wires or the billing. They just buy the electricity and sell it through the existing utility, which is PG&E. It's called San Jose Clean Energy. And we call these things CCAs because it takes too long to say community choice aggregation. So I'm going to stop doing that. And other Silicon Valley cities have similar CCAs. 
cities. There's the CCA for all of Silicon Valley, except San Jose, Palo Alto, and Santa Clara, called Silicon Valley Clean Energy, very similar to San Jose Clean Energy. There's CCAs all over the state. There's Peninsula Clean Energy that's kind of up in San Mateo County. There's Marin Clean Energy. I bet you know where that is. There's San Francisco Clean Energy. And these are all kind of municipal energy providers. And the way they work is they're owned by your cities, and they kind of collaborate. So the board of directors of Silicon Valley Clean Energy, that's not San Jose, but Silicon Valley, it's the board of directors are the council members or the mayors of the cities in Silicon Valley. So the people who manage San Jose Clean Energy is once again the city of San Jose. And they provide cheaper and cleaner power. And where do they get that? Duh. They get that from solar farms and wind farms and other sources that are they're renewable and cheaper. And their electricity is then distributed over the regular electricity wires. So PG&E does the billing. They provide the transmission, which is like the long distance, you know, that these these uh, power plants might be in the desert somewhere. So PG&E is going to provide the transmission service from the desert into San Jose. Um, and PG&E is going to provide the distribution. That's kind of the local wires in your neighborhood and the substations. And they're also going to provide the maintenance. So basically the CCA just buys the clean electricity in bulk at like really good current prices. It's not what the prices were 10 years ago or 20 years ago or, you know, what an old natural gas plant was. And they sell it to people in the community cheaper than your utility. And the CCAs just bill you just for the generation of your electricity and that billing is done your utility bill. Okay. So on page seven of my bill, it shows that my CCA charges, San Jose Clean Energy, was 24 cents a kilowatt hour peak. 10 cent a kilowatt hour park peak and 4 cents a kilowatt hour off peak as opposed to the bigger numbers that I had on my regular bill. Not bad. So my total generation, the amount of money it cost me to generate that power actually was a credit because I was running it backwards, but it's $180. And it would have been a lot more if it was at the old PG&E rates. Okay. So now here's the page seven is the billing from your CCA. Now let's go back to page six where you see how these charges were credited on your bill. Now keep in mind, PG&E charged me 52 cents a kilowatt hour peak, 28 part peak, and 13 cents off peak. It's a lot more than the CCA, but the distribution and the transmission charges are in there but, you know, it doesn't really represent half, then there's just a ton of extra profit and overhead and advocacy and lobbying and buildings that are that the utility has in their overhead and in their profit that the CCA doesn't have. So my total bill would have been negative $425, but since I have a CCA, PG&E does not charge me for electricity generation. And from page 7, that was sold to me by San Jose Clean Energy, who charged me negative $180 for electricity. So on my PG&E bill, because PG&E collects the money for San Jose Clean Energy, they gave me the credit. They actually charged me for that $180. In my case, it was a credit. So what happens is my electricity generation, because it was provided by San Jose Clean Energy and pretty much every other CCA, is much cheaper than if I were to buy that electricity from PG&E. That's why the CCAs are here. It's cheaper. It's also cleaner, right? It's all renewable power if you want. Okay, now we go down the crazy rip-off rat hole economics of utilities. PG&E and the other utilities in the state lobbied California government to give them extra money because when CCAs started selling cheaper electricity, the utilities' profits were less than they expected. Pshaw, pshaw, they're crying a river. So in addition to charging me for the cheaper CCA electricity, which one would normally expect, 
the utilities like PG&E and Southern California Edison and San Diego Gas and Electricity, they get to add on another 15% to the cheap CCA electricity so that they can make up for their lost profits. Now, they call this a patch-charge indifference adjustment, but basically ratepayers are giving PG&E extra money so they're indifferent about losing business to cheaper, more efficient, and cleaner CCAs. They have zero incentive to reduce our electricity costs, so this is another one of those crazy charges. So your electric bill basically has two extra charges to make up for utilities' old-fashioned struggling business. They have these non-bypassable charges, things like nuclear decommissioning, and prior bankruptcies, and they have the power charge indifference adjustment to make up for their lost profits when a more efficient competitor comes in and provides a better service for less money. Okay, so after all these charges and credits, my bill for the month was actually negative $218, which was my net metering credit for the month. And now let's talk about how the net metering works. These cumulative net metering credits for the last three months for me added up to a credit of $781. And keep in mind that credit usually goes up incrementally in the summer. You know, you're going to get their peak generation around June or July. And then down in the winter, there's just fewer hours of sun in the winter. And then also for a lot of people, even though they might use more energy in the summer for air conditioning, since they're generating so much more from solar, their bill is going to be actually really low. In the winter, since there's less solar and you're using more electricity, you know, in my case, I have heat pump electric heating, or even for your furnace, you're going to use a lot of electricity to run the fan in the furnace. A lot of people use more electricity in the winter. So the way net metering works is at the end of 12 months, you're going to get something called a true up statement. And usually what happens is, you know, we try and set our customers up so they're going to be close to zero. Usually it's a few hundred dollars more. Some people who really kind of go crazy might have to pay a thousand or more. But usually you're going to have to pay a few hundred dollars more. And if your bill is negative, your CCA may actually write you a check. I think Silicon Valley Clean Energy and San Jose Clean Energy, they'll write you a check if your credit is $100 or more. If not, they just kind of roll it into the next year. Now, keep in mind, the CCA is not writing you a check for the whole, you know, heck, 52 cents a kilowatt hour. They're writing you a check just for their generation charges so that when I'm generating 24 cents a kilowatt hour, I'll get a check based on all the excess generation at that either 24 cents if I sent the power back during peak 10 cents if I sent it back at part peak or 4 cents if I sent it back at, at off peak. But, you know, heck, you get a check and, you know, kind of when you run through the numbers, it's actually not bad. If you don't have a CCA, don't count on a check if your bill is negative. You know, you can do what I did and just get rid of those darn efficient LEDs and put in more incandescents. Okay, in conclusion, kind of just wrapping up here. So when you're looking at your bill, if you have solar, you're on something called net metering. Also, if you generally have a battery, you're also going on net metering. The batteries pretty much have to go hand in hand with solar. And typically, solar customers, solar and storage customers have about a $10 a month fixed charge. And then you kind of have the balance of the credits that you generate in the summer and the charges in the winter offsetting that against that. And obviously, $10 fixed charge a month, $120 a year, you can easily generate credits that are going to obviously wipe that out. And, you know, hopefully I'll be able to do that at the end of the year. 
Now, here's the other thing. A lot of calls from customers. Can you help explain my PG&E bill? Why is this so much? Why is this so, you know, why is it? They never say, why is it so low? They always ask, why is it so much? I've only once been in a situation where I was looking at a bill and I noticed that the bill numbers were actually wrong. There was kind of a mistake. A computer does it. Somebody programs it. It's usually pretty good. Incredibly confusing, but usually pretty accurate. And it takes a lot of time for somebody to kind of go through all these pages and going through old bills and trying to figure things out. Now, you're probably going to be just as infuriated as me that there's two nasty charges on your bill to keep utility profits artificially ridiculously high. They have these non-bypassable charges that cover nuclear decommissioning, previous utility bankruptcies, as well as good things like public benefits charges. And they have the power charge and different adjustment that's basically just really hurting these more efficient CCAs, and that's basically extra money that utility gets for their lost profits when the CCAs provide energy cheaper than the utility, and I might also add energy that's also cleaner. These CCAs, when you kind of net out these power charge and difference adjustments, the CCAs usually charge you about 1% or 2% less, even with that extra charge, because they're, they're just operating way, way, way more efficiently. And then the other things to remember, the only way to check the performance of your solar system is with your monitoring. If you don't have a, the electronic monitoring, if you don't have an app for that with a relatively new system, you can look at your inverter display. Systems that I put in almost 20 years ago have a little display in it. tells you how many kilowatt hours they generated usually every day and cumulatively. And so if you're just wondering, just write down that kilowatt hour total generation on your inverter and take a look at it every few days. Write down the number and you can see what you're generating every day. It works out great. But don't look at the utility quote net generation unquote amount because that's only the amount that's sent back to them. What goes back to them doesn't include what your house is using. So your total solar production, that number comes from your monitoring system or your inverter. The net generation, when when the utility looks at that number, that's actually just what they get back. And so my suggestion, watch your monitoring. Watch the meter on your inverter. You should see those little arrows going to the left when it's generating. It's a little LED display, LCD display. And watch your electric bill. So if you see some unusual spikes, heck, that may be that there's something wrong with your system. And, you know, take a look. And also keep in mind, your bill's going to just gradually keep going up because they charge more and more for electricity. But your solar system should generate about the same year to year, less maybe a half a percent degradation, unless any degradation that happens from, from soiling and dirt on the panels. Okay. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you miss any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.